five, scores! Rick Five. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Five. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone, to episode 100 of the Squid and Ultimate Leaf fan show. Squid, 100 shows. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Joining me as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, we took a lot of hiatus, but back refreshed and ready to go for another season of hopefully exciting hockey. How do you feel, my man? <laughs> I feel good, Mike. Except I'm not on the screen. Well, there I am. Okay. I, I, you are. You're on the screen. <laughs> you're there. Little technical difficulties today. Our 100 shows, we're a little nervous. My fingers are you're not working very well here today. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Squid, our guest today is not only a good friend of you and I, but held in high esteem by Leafs Nation as the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And to boot, make him an even more lovable. He, well, for me anyway, he roots for my, he roots my favorite college football team, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But the only blemish on his oh. resume would be his passion for the Green Bay Packers and the Boston Red Sox. But regardless, we still love him anyway. Please welcome the Holy Mackinac man himself. Joe Bowen, Bonesy, thanks for joining us today. And how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to see both of you. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, a new season and uh, hopefully uh, a better ending to it. Yeah, yes. Well, now, think, just very think... quickly, Joe, over the uh, summer, you did some traveling, uh, being a bit of a history buff. Uh, where were some of the places you, you were venturing this year? Um, I've, I've done a bunch of Civil War trips. Uh, I invite my family uh, uh, to come and join me, and none of them want to, and I say, perfect. <laughs> and uh, that way I can go and stare at a cannon or something for, uh, you know, 20 minutes and not hear, can we go shopping? I'm hungry, you know, this sort of stuff. <laughs> so I did, uh, I did Virginia this year. I went down through the Shenandoah Valley, uh, Newmarket, uh, Staunton, uh, uh, Lexington, uh, Appomattox through uh, uh, Richmond and uh, went to the uh, Nautical uh, Museum of uh, Virginia to see the uh, Monitor and the Merrimack, uh, as well as uh, Gettysburg. So it was a it was a, a whirlwind one week trip, but uh, a lot of fun and had uh, a number of uh, really good guides that you can employ when you go to various battlefields and they simply ask you, how much do you know? Uh, and depending on what you do know, they can expand upon uh, what they're, you know, wanting or able to give you. And, and that was uh, always pretty exciting. And it was a lot of fun. Well, I just got back from Europe and uh, playing a little bit of hockey with some of the Bo- Markham boys on one of those Mike Moore trips. And uh, we toured uh, Vimy Ridge and some of the other historical sites. And it is quite enlightening when you see it. And it's pretty awesome uh, stuff, uh, I can it's, tell uh, you. It but, really is. It's it's something that uh, everyone should do. I think. I mean, uh, our it's a uh, Vimy is one of the most magnificent uh, monuments I have ever seen. And unfortunately, here in Canada, we don't erect things like that on our soil. It's taken, uh, you know, uh, to do it over in France during the First World War to memorialize that very famous battle, and uh, it, it is absolutely spectacular and breathtaking. Well, Bonesy. Squid, and our faithful Maple Leaf followers all listening, like all of us, 
What can we expect starting Wednesday night in Montreal? Well, we'll, uh, we'll drop the puck. I guess we'll play three periods. I think they're still playing three periods, aren't they, Ricky? Uh, you know, it'll go up this way, and then they'll come back this way, and, and somebody will get probably a hooking penalty or something. Uh, maybe maybe four periods if it goes to overtime, but yeah, no kidding, let's, hope, right? yeah. let's hope not. Yeah. At the shootout, too. Um, you know, and, and with all uh, realizing about how many great teams that, that I've had the pleasure of watching, this, this core group, without question, is the most talented, I think, that I've ever seen and been associated with. Um, they they need to catch a break. They need Nicky Boroshevsky just to stick his little stick out just enough to tip Bob Rouse's shot. Uh, they need Corey Cross to score a goal in overtime. Um, you know, things like that, that that become a catalyst and then propel you into a long run in the postseason. And, uh, you know, for all of the, the angst that's gone on and everybody, you know, getting their shorts in a knot, um, they really haven't had one of those little defining mm -hmm. uh, good good breaks that can go on. And, Ricky, you know this as well as I do. The, the, the talent in the league is so good, so good, that when you play in a, in a best-of-seven series, it doesn't matter where you were in the standings, you're in for a dogfight every night. Yeah, I was well. I was just about to ask you that. Is that you know you've watched a lot of different decades of NHL with the Leafs and everything. I mean, I think today there's more talent in the league than I've ever seen before, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they work on it all summer long. You know, it's not like some of the things that they do today we wouldn't even think of doing because we'd either get benched or goaltender would chop our arm off. So. <laughs> We didn't try it, but no. these guys, they're not afraid to try these things. No, and you're talking about the Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. Love see, <laughs> I'd love to see how the Michigan would work with Ron Hextall and Billy Smith. That not very good. Really quick. You may get a goal, but you're going to be carrying a welt forever. Um, you, but, you, but you are right. And, and you know what? It was interesting. You know, we see all of these injuries and stuff, you know, in preseason and whatnot. And you wonder if these guys actually give their bodies time to recuperate. Because as you say, they're at this 12 months of the mm -hmm. year. And as soon as the season over, maybe they go away on a vacation somewhere. But they're back in the gym. They're back on the ice. They're doing this and whatnot. And you wonder if, I mean, one of the great letters that we got out of Maple Leaf Gardens when it closed was Punch Imlach's warning to the players about going to Peterborough that you were going to be asked to do 20 push-ups. My God. And, and don't forget your golf clubs because they were there for a month and a half just to try and get some of that winter, you know, summer fat off of them. And, uh, I, you know, as they say, you can't pull fat. So uh, if it's all muscle, you're probably going to hurt yourself. So it, it is, but the skill level, and how much they work on different things, using their feet, their hands, and everything else, yeah. is without question um, the most skilled time that this sport has ever had. And the rules allow them to use that skill. Uh, back in your day, 
uh, the rules allowed people to make sure you couldn't use that skill uh, without taking one in the yap or a two-hander across the arms uh, or stand in front of the net and take abuse with the two-by-four that the guy happened to whittle down into a hockey stick. So, um, you know, that's that's part and parcel of it, but, uh, but there's no question that this core group is the most talented that I've ever been associated with. Yeah. Yeah, I well, would have to agree with that 100%. Hey, it's great. You know, you probably still have some Sherwood imprints in the, in the middle of your back from uh, some of the days standing in front of the net. Well, I don't I don't have any imprints, Mike, but I do have a I have very, very short, sore neck and very sore shoulders <laughs> almost every morning when I wake up. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think one of the things, Bones, that we've talked about, and, you know, you can disagree or not with this, but all your years watching, a lot of the players we've had on, the disconnect between the top six and the bottom six back in Rick's day was enormous. Whereas today, it's a very fine, fine. I mean, the elite players are going to be the elite players, but the overall play between the fourth line and the first line is very yeah. marginal now. Well, my first game, October 6, 1982, Paul Higgins was playing on the fourth <laughs> line for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that would be applicable today. Um, uh, and Jim Corn was playing defense. Um, you know, so there, yeah, there's no question that, that it is. It, and it, it, it's, a different, it's a different game. It's the same sport, but it's a totally different game. And uh, the rules and trying to make it safer. Uh, but the other thing that is no question about it is, is the speed. Uh, the ability that they have to skate now uh has made this uh, a game much quicker um and and not that Ricky had lead feet but um it, it, it to, to just take someone from that era with this and just magically put him in now you're going to say holy smokes things are going pretty damn quick here and <laughs> and you're right I mean you you, you know David camp is going to play center on the fourth line fourth line that that's you know it's a pretty damn good player exactly. and, uh, but he's on the fourth line now having said that uh, Ricky's first line got to play half the game probably back in the 80s and everybody else kind of sifted around and figured out what the rest of the ice time was so um, you know everything kind of uh, balances out to some extent I guess I think the big thing uh, I think if you look at when when Joe talked about you know, going back in eras and stuff like that. I mean, obviously the game has changed and the eras were all different, but I still think you take those top players, you put them in another era, they're going to adapt to the training or whatever it, it takes to be one of the faster guys on the ice or one of the better players on the ice. No, no question, Ricky, because they're, they're, they're natural athletes. I mean, uh, yeah. Rocket Richard, give, give him two months would be a pretty mm -hmm. good goal scorer in this league now. Uh, uh, yeah. You would be, and anybody else that, that, that had that kind of talent back then, uh, we may have to really push you to work all the way through the summer to get in shape to <laughs> be doing this. However, I'm sure that knowing that uh, there's going to be a couple of commas in your uh, paycheck would uh, mm -hmm. balance that out just a tad, don't you think? <laughs> Well, I think it would, yes. <laughs> well, the only problem with you, Squid, though, is you might have a problem playing in this league because they may not be able to find a 60-pound piece of wood for you to carry around to shoot shoot pucks with. Oh, no. He well, no, I, I'm, 
I'm well adjusted to those new sticks now. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be breaking them like they were tinder. I mean, they, it would be, oh, yeah, that would be. A, and and as kidding. hard as you shot the puck with that piece of two-by-four, can you imagine being able to shoot it oh. with the things oh. that they have now, Ricky? It's it's uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, and they're just you think about not only the equipment in that regard with sticks, but now all of a sudden you're going down that wing and – you're looking at a goalie who's twice the size of Ken Reggett, mm -hmm. uh, and you're trying to find, a, you know, so everything sort of balances out a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, I've always said that. I, I think if you look at it from, okay, I disappeared. No, you didn't. Um, you're right. No, I didn't. I'm here. Magically, again, I'm back. But I, I think if you look at it, like I say, the, the difference in the equipment and all that kind of stuff, but – I think it all evens out in the long run. The goal, I remember, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, playing in the uh, Hall of Fame game. And I'm coming down on Brzgalov, and he's not a little guy either. And with his equipment on, I was walking in with uh, on a penalty shot, and I'm going, where the hell am I going to shoot? There's no room. Where's the net? <laughs> yeah. Who took the net away? But you know what, Ricky, and, and, and I've often said this, is that, and somebody said, well, what's the difference? I said, you know what? There's not as many oohs and ahs mm -hmm. as there were back in the 80s. And I'll explain that this way. How many times have you seen somebody, even an Austin Matthews, coming down the wing like Rick Vive used to do every game and wind up and blast the puck from an angle? Hardly ever. No. Yeah, it's down, yeah. turn, regroup. Uh, look for a trailer, backdoor play, something like that. But when you came down the wing, because the goalies were smaller and you could see some net, mm -hmm. people took the chance to shoot. Mike Bossy, how many goals did Mike Bossy score that way? <laughs> I mean, so, and and that was the oohs and ahs. Ooh, they scored. Ah, oh, just missed. Ah, oh, just missed. Well, now there aren't as many oohs and ahs because they the, the game dictates that you cannot score grab an analytics guy for me. Uh, you cannot score going down the wing, trying to beat a goaltender who has the angle and is standing up and covering that much net. So what do you do? Well, we've got to do something different. And that's where oohs and ahs are gone, you know, to, to a lot of extent. But uh, yourself and Bossy and uh, Guy Lafleur, can you imagine and, 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 and him scoring that goal against Grapes? And not not being able to shoot it from there, to score! Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what, what the hell would have happened? Yeah, well, no let's, kidding. Let's yeah. Uh, let's uh, shift gears a little bit here, Bonesy, and take it back a little bit for the fans out there who want, would like to hear a little bit about this. You're about you're from Sudbury. You did for those who don't know, Joey's uh, did play goal, started off as a goalie, but maybe walk us through the early part of your career as a goaltender, playing goal, then how you ended up behind the microphone. Uh. It's a long story, I know. The, 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 term, the, the term horse manure probably is going to come in here very quickly. Uh, I, uh, I was one of those goalies with bad equipment and felt arm pads and didn't really play that well, even though Eddie Jackman desperately attempted to teach me at uh, Jerry Topazini's hockey camp. Um, and when I realized in high school that uh, the uh, – uh, the chance of replacing John Bauer in the Toronto net probably wasn't in the cards. Uh, my dad had, my dad had passed away just as I was going into high school and his 
desire was for me to get a university degree. So I took communication arts at the University of Windsor and got very much involved in the student radio station there and, and, uh, and got involved mainly basketball because the, the Windsor Lancers were a perennial powerhouse in, in uh, uh, intercollegiate basketball for the time that I was there. But I did some hockey and football. Um, I came back to Sudbury and my dad's best friend through childhood was a gentleman by the name of Bill Plant who owned uh, the TV and radio station CKSO in Sudbury, but also was part owner of the Sudbury Wolves with uh, Bud Burke. And um, I was able to get a job there uh, to start right out of university. And when uh, a gentleman who was doing the Wolves games decided to move on to CBC, uh, I was able to just walk down the hall and say to Mr. Plant, I'd like an opportunity to apply for this. And he said, no, I've heard you. You got the job. <laughs> Off I went. <laughs> So then you ended up in Nova Scotia. How did that come about then? Um, the gentleman that was doing mornings with me, uh, Mike Cranston, who uh, when uh, uh, you didn't make enough money just doing hockey, you had to do everything at the radio station. So mm. I was doing morning sports and whatnot. He went to CHNS in Halifax and uh, they were trying to take the uh, Nova Scotia Voyageur rights away from a rival uh, radio station, but they didn't have anybody on staff to do play-by-play. -play. And so they offered me uh, um, a lot more money and uh, like the good free agent that uh, we are, uh, we decided <laughs> that that was pretty important at the time. And so off we went for three years in Nova Scotia to uh, do the Voyageur games before I was able to come to Toronto in 1982. Well, was, uh, was my good friend John Brophy there when you were there? He sure <laughs> was, Squid. I, I rode the bus. <laughs> I rode the bus with Broke for two years. And the best, the, 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 the thing that I remember most about this is that no one else on the team, certainly players, and certainly not the training staff, wanted to have anything to do with him after a game, right? And so here I am, I'm the sounding board, right? And we'd, we'd get into a bar and he'd start. You know, he'd start calling this guy out and that guy out and this guy, we got to send him this guy's chicken. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'd, I would, I would confront him. I said, bro, that's wrong. And I, you know, this guy, Mike Allison's a great guy. And, everything, blah, 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 blah. and then we'd get into one of these really loud arguments. And <laughs> next morning at 730, Hey, what are you doing? You coming for breakfast? Yep, be right there. I mean, it was, <laughs> as you well know, he would completely forget it. It was, that was way, he blew off the steam, whatever it was. But the next day, it was a new, new ledger, new sheet, move on and get out of that. And I had an issue with him when he was with the Leafs when we were in Minnesota and everybody thought I was going to get fired because he <laughs> said at dinner one night that he was going to send out Chris McRae to fight his brother, Basil. And I said, bro, you're crazy. I said, you do that. The game's passed you by. Oh, boom. How <laughs> Olympus goes off. And it, it's, and the, the, everybody, the waiters and waitresses, and people in this very fancy restaurant are looking at this uh, fight going on. And the, the uh, other media guys are, you're going to get fired. Nah, it's just broke. 7.30 the next morning. What are you doing? Coming for breakfast? <laughs> yep, you're right there. Now, Bones, that was you got Oh, go ahead, Squid. Go ahead. No, I'd say that was Broth uh, to a T. Uh, I remember the funniest, I think, one of the funniest things I remember about Broth. I mean, there's 
probably a million I could tell. But the one I remember the most was when he was going around our room at between periods and he gave it to every single guy. He went all the way around the room. Well, he's going around the room. He gets to Paul Henderson and he stands there. And I've never seen Brof lost for words, but he didn't know what the heck to say. So he goes, stands there for about 15, 20 seconds, which I've never seen before. And he looks at Paul and he goes, Henny, Henny, maybe you can talk to the big fella up there because we need some help. <laughs> well, oh, if anybody was going to, that was probably as good a shot at it. It probably wasn't going to be both. <laughs> now, Bonesy, you almost, there, there's, there's, you, you have a very funny story you've told me in the past about uh, your, your job offer to come to Toronto. You oh. almost blew it off, but. Uh, Maybe yeah, tell us a little uh, bit of that uh, story. Len Ramson was the president of Telemedia Sports. And Ron Hewitt, uh, no relation to uh, Foster or Bill, but he had done the radio uh, for many years. And he was moving on into radio sales. And um, so uh, uh, Alan Davis, who I had worked with in Halifax, had moved to Toronto, was working at CKFH, which was the, the flagship station for Telemedia who also had the Blue Jay rights and were, had just finished hiring uh, um, Jerry Howard, as a matter of fact. And um, so Alan said to me, you got to send your stuff in, send your stuff in. And I sent stuff to all kinds of NHL things. I've got a really nice letter from Cliff Fletcher with the Atlanta Flames telling me that we're keeping your stuff on file. Yeah, right. That went into the, <laughs> that went into the, the round receptacle at the end of the desk file. But at any rate, um, uh, so I sent it all in and then I, you know, I didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, uh, loved Halifax, loved the Maritimes, uh, went out and, and bought a house in Dartmouth at 22 points on the dollar. Uh, speaking of times that are somewhat getting uh, reminiscent. Yes. Um, and uh, forgot about it. And so uh, on the Wednesday, the um, in September, the mortgage was uh, okay. And I go into work to do the morning show again on CHNS, and I come home, phone rings, and it's a gentleman named Len Bramson. He says, hi, uh, Joe, uh, Len Bramson here, Telemedia Sports. Uh, we've listened to your uh, audition tape. We'd love to have you fly in this Saturday, do the exhibition game against the uh, Edmonton Oilers as a uh, audition. And I said, blankety blank, 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 Alan, I blankety blank, don't really need your blankety blank, 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 doing this to me, blankety blank, I just bought a blankety blank house over in Dartmouth at blankety blank, 22 points on the dollar, so don't be giving this blankety blank stuff, you know, and then when I finally came up for air, there was dead silence, and he said, uh, no, this isn't Alan Davis, this is Len Bramson, president of Telemedia Sports, but this is the most unique conversation I've ever had <laughs> while trying to, you know, hire somebody. And I, no. So then I was Ralph Cramden. I was, oh, hama, 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 <laughs> And uh, so when I, I uh, he said, I'm going to phone you back in 20 minutes with uh, flight information and everything else. So I hung up the phone and I went and got a sharp knife and I thought, if he doesn't phone back, I'm going to slit my wrists. I mean, this is, <laughs> This, how could you, you know, just so stupid. Anyway, not not 20 minutes, 10 minutes later, he phones back. He says, Joe, that's the greatest conversation I've ever had of anybody that I'm trying to hire. We've listened to your tape again. We don't need the audition. Here's the job. Fly in. We'll sign the contract. 
So wow. I'm living proof. You can tell your boss to go fly a kite uh, before you get the job, and you might still get it. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that it works all the time. Now let me ask you this, Bonesy. Um, so it's one of these ones. You've heard the old, old, old expression: "Don't hope for what you wish for, because you may get it." You know the way all the way people use that cliche. When you walked to those doors for the first time and went and sat down and looked over the ice surface, what overcame you? Well, I had done games at the gardens because uh, doing the Sudbury Wolves games, I actually got to do one game in the actual old gondola that was torn I ask by Harold. I got to do one game in there. Then we moved over to the, uh, the, the press box side uh, and did games there. But when I got there the first time, and the first game was in the old Chicago Stadium, and but I, I sat there and just looked around, got there early, nobody in the building, and just thought, "Boy, this is pretty neat." Um, you know, how many how many people would die to be doing this that you're going to do? And I, there's not many days that I don't go to work, uh, whether it's um, on the road. Well, when we were allowed to travel. Uh, or at yes. Scotiabank Arena and just sit and say, you know what, um, you know, this is I mean, 40 years I've been doing this and uh, I'm a pretty lucky guy. I, I got no other employable oh. skills. So uh, you might as well enjoy what I'm doing. Now, the last real job I had was 5,000 feet underground at Inco and I didn't want to do that. Well, you drive a pretty good RV bus, by the way. Yes, I do. Yep, and You're not a good at bus. It's just a, it's just a motorhome. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, I was going to ask you your first goal. Who, the first goal, your first goal. Call, I'm sure you remember that. Well, you know what? It, the the very first game was 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 mind boggling. First off, I got into a cab, uh, having never been to the Chicago Stadium. And down we went West Madison Street. And Ricky, you remember that little trip. It was mm -hmm. a pretty tough neighborhood where the stadium was. And I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea where this gentleman is taking me. And I think he's taking me on my last ride. And I'm not even going to get to do one <laughs> damn game in this game. And then this mausoleum came out of the, uh, the horizon. I thought, oh, thank God. But the, the engineer who was doing all of this stuff for us, because we had, had a, a, a tech in each city, uh, he couldn't get us on the air. And it was all telephone by then or whatever. And uh, so all of the stuff that I had prepped to get out of my mouth, to welcome people, to the new broadcaster, nothing. I had no time. <laughs> Literally, when they dropped the puck, he just went, you're on. And well, okay, so here we go. So we started doing the game. And uh, the Blackhawks scored the first three goals. Uh, Wally Podubny scored scored twice. And RV and Billy Durlego set up Borea Salming with about a minute and a half to go for the tying goal and a 3-3 tie. And little did I know that a gentleman who would spend a lot of time sitting right next to me was in the building up by the organ loft watching his Chicago Blackhawks uh, just before he was being sent to Milwaukee, Jim Ralph. Jimmy so, Ralph, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Ralphie there at camp and uh, when, when I was in Chicago. And, and Joe, you're absolutely right about how bad that area is. When, when you got barbed wire around the fence <laughs> of your parking lot, you know it's a bad area. 
<laughs> That's right. There was and, and and any of the cops or whatever said, geez, don't take the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure your cab pulls right into the uh, oh, it was uh, and it's it's so much different now. I mean, uh, the new United Center and uh, the whole area is. Uh, uh, really changed dramatically, but it was a pretty tough spot. It's a, very reminiscent of what the Olympia was like in Detroit before yeah. they moved to downtown with Joe Arena. Yeah. Bonesy, walk us through for the for the for the listeners a day a day at work for Joe Bowen when he gets up in the morning to you drop the drop of that first puck. How does well, your day sleep in now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, you're allowed to travel and do it the That's right, right. Well, that, yeah, there was, I mean, um, it, it, back when, when I first started, uh, there was no internet or anything else. So if you needed information, you got on, uh, you got up and you drove down to the gardens in the morning and you got your paperwork and everything else that you needed, statistical information, whatever, uh, find out who was playing and whatnot. Um, and then you went home and you did your game prep and uh, your stuff in paper. I'm old fashioned. I like to have it on a hard piece of paper or something that I have in my hand uh, and then drove back to the game that night. Uh, the Internet now makes everything so much easier. There, there's there's really not a big deal for me to go to the pregame skate because I can sit at home and I can watch it who's ever interviewing uh, with TSN or Sportsnet uh, at the skate who have to be there to interview the players. And really, I mean, most of the pregame interviews are really pretty mundane. It's They're just looking to fill airtime, right? There's not an awful <laughs> lot of important information coming out of that. But now with the internet, you can get all kinds of statistical information, background on the players, go through their entire careers to find out, oh, you know what? So-and-so played with so-and-so back in Kamloops. Uh, you know, things like that that you would not get without yeah. the time spent driving to and from and back and forth. So um, I'll do that. I, I usually leave around 3 o'clock or so to uh, uh, to go down to uh, uh, Scotiabank. Um, uh, then I'll talk to the other broadcasters where you're probably going to get the real poop on what's going on with the other team. Uh, they don't want you to use their names, main, maybe, but you're going to find yeah. out some things about what's going on. And um, then, you know, just kind of settle in and away we go. So, Joe, you got to take me through the whole uh, saga of the Notre Dame fighting Irish and the and the Packers. Like, come on, like, how the hell does that happen for a guy from Sudbury? Well, I, I blame my dad on the Irish. Um, okay. We are of Irish uh, extraction from County Cork, a number of uh, generations removed. And uh, we had one television station, so it wasn't like we watched a lot of college football. The only college football that you ever got, really, was the bowl games on New Year's yeah. Day, right? Yeah. But, but, uh, Lindsey Nelson hosted a one-hour Notre Dame football highlight show that CBC, for some ungodly reason, decided that it was going to fill airtime Sunday mornings. And we watched that religiously. And uh, Ricky, one of the, the real tragedies uh, of my life is that my dad never got to go to Notre Dame. And when I uh, go... Um, and, 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 and Lou Holtz has the great line that if you get 
Notre Dame, no explanation is required. And if you do not get Notre Dame, no explanation will suffice. So it is almost like a religious experience. And I'm not, I'm not Catholic. I'm not overly religious. But when I go each time to Notre Dame, I go to the uh, grotto and I talk to my dad for 45 minutes to an hour and tell him how the kids are doing and how the grandkids are doing and how the Irish are doing. And that was special. And that's very special to me. So that's that part. My dad passed away, but in the 60s um, and through 67, my dad passed away in 1965. The Green Bay Packers were winning. We had one television station. We saw the Packers all the time, and I became a Packer fan. And then when uh, we were able to become owners because we could buy a share, I bought shares for my sons and I. So we consider ourselves to be the principal owners of the Green Bay Packers. But every time I phone that idiot in Dallas to see if I can uh, use Jerry Jones's plane, his secretary never puts me through. I mean, we're in the same, we're in the same ownership group for crying out loud. I, I can't believe that. I know. He doesn't get it. Embarrassing. Where do we right. get I got to tell you, though, I've, I've been to Notre Dame as my son was there to play hockey. And in the old rink, though, they've got a yes. beautiful new rink now. Uh, but it, it was it was unbelievable. Like just like you said, driving in there and just looking around, it was like wow! Like this is actually unbelievable. <laughs> the history, the history, and everything else that's attached to it. And really, it's a glorified high school. It's ten thousand mm. students. Yeah, you, know, you get eighty thousand at Ohio State, and same with Michigan, yep. and all of this. So it's the the history of uh, Rockney and the travel and everything else. Uh, uh, it is a very special thing, and uh, it's something that I have brainwashed my kids over. Um, <laughs> I'm too. a Red Sox fan because the Blue Jays weren't around when I became a big baseball fan. Uh, but my sons, other than Dave, who's still hanging in there with me, the other ones have bailed on me and are Blue Jay fans. And I'm the Blue Jays are my second favorite team. Well, just on uh, a side note for me, I, gotta I tell you, I gotta, sorry, Joe. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Mike, but Joe. I am also a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I knew that. Because of DEI. Down East. We used yes. to watch all the Red Sox games we used to get on yeah. TV. And yep. and then when I moved to, came to Toronto, then the Blue Jays came into the league. And it was kind of like, okay, well, they're my second favorite team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Fenway, be your Park, team now. Fenway Park is a wonderful experience to go to. Oh. And, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's like Notre Dame, the history and everything else that's in there. Speaking of heartbreak, I mean, you know, 82 years without a World Series. You've got enough heartbreak down mm. there to last a lifetime, too. So, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, no, for my late father, I did get a chance to take him to Notre Dame a couple of times. And the first time, if you remember the movie Rudy, when Rudy's dad walked in and looked and he said, this, These eyes have never seen a more beautiful sight. Well, the look in his Rudy's dad's face was the same look my dad had when he walked into the stadium into the seat. Yeah. So yeah. and I happened to look at him and took a double look, and I thought, "Wow, I mean, this place really is something." Mm -hmm. But just moving along, Joe, I know I know we got uh, we got you for a few more minutes. Um, why do you and Ralphie get along so well on the air? Like you two guys <laughs> look like you were just made for each other. Well, you know what, uh, Mike, I've been blessed with a lot of good guys. Yes, you have. Uh, you know, Bill Waters, um, uh, uh, Harry Neal. Um, Jim Poplinski, I've worked with, uh, uh, 
Scotty Bowman, um, Greg Millen. Um, but the, the thing about Ralphie, I think, and like Harry, very knowledgeable, extremely um, uh, able to uh, succinctly get their point across, but very self-effacing senses of humor. And mm -hmm. I mean, Ralphie is the Bob Euchre of, of hockey. <laughs> And uh, isn't he? Hey, Ricky, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, no, there's at no least question. Got, at least Euchre got to the major leagues, but I mean, he is, he is the really, he is the, the Bob Euchre of hockey. And he, uh, the, the biggest part of the season for Ralphie is the preseason because yeah. that's the only thing that he ever got into. So he can relate to all of this stuff <laughs> going on, right? And we have a lot of fun that way, but he's, um, uh, he's a dear friend, uh, Harry, I, Harry, Neil and I, I, I talk uh, with Harry at least once a week. Uh, we've, uh, very close as well. Uh, all of them have been really good to work with and, and really easy to work with. And that's, uh, that's been a real blessing for me. That's for sure. Well, I well, think the thing between about the two of them, they're both between Harry and, and Ralphie, they both have quick wit and good sense of humor and they are, they are funny as hell. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you the Harry Neal story, Ricky, that this is my favorite one. This will be in the book. He would always, he'd always have some stupid line that he had that had nothing to do with hockey. And it was like, okay, you got to ask me about Roger Nielsen's tie because he had a stupid line that he wanted to throw in that he couldn't do it unless I threw the volleyball up so he could spike it, right? So we're in New Jersey, the very first game at the new Prudential Center. It's brand new rink, right in lovely downtown Newark, New Jersey. And uh, Harry says, you got to ask me about the rink. All right. So the second stoppage of play. Well, Harry, what do you think of the brand new arena right here, downtown Newark, New Jersey, the Prudential Center? Unbelievable, he says. This is unbelievable. The fan amenities that they have here are second to none. And he said the best part about the rink is that the players come here every day because they can walk from their dressing room to the practice facility that is attached to the arena right here in downtown Newark, New Jersey. And he said, <laughs> it's the only arena in the National Hockey League that has a shot clock both inside and outside the building. <laughs> and I lost it. I lost it. And the truck, I've got, we're doing TV, and, I, and you can hear the truck in your headset. They're all, ah, going crazy. We couldn't, I couldn't get the game back. I couldn't. I'm laughing so hard. And of course, he's sitting there like a Cheshire cat, like nothing's gone on because he had this line all set. Well, that was fine. End of the first period, knock at our door. Lou Lamorello. Apparently, they weren't doing the game on TV, and our broadcast went through the building. And Lou didn't find the line nearly as funny as I did. <laughs> now, uh, now that, that's, oh. probably, that's probably the reason I got kicked off the charter when Lou arrived here as the general manager. <laughs> now, hey, now, Bonesy, you and Wilbur had Wilbur had one night where he almost got himself in a little bit of trouble, but thank God not a lot of people were listening when the microphone got left on by accident one night. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the other thing was he, he was the agent for half of the damn team, including yeah. Squid. I mean, <laughs> so they never made a bad pass, and it was always someone else's fault, usually a coach. But anyway, yeah, that was... Uh, hey, that's, that's a good agent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
<laughs> so, Bozzy, what we got to, some of your favorite, now, I know there's a lot of them over the years, uh, 40 years, or there's there's a number of them, and I know the guy in the bottom of the screen here, definitely one of those calls would be one of your highlights, his 50th goal, but some of the highlight goals you've called over the years, or moments. Well, I, didn't get, I didn't get to do Ricky's first 50 goals. Um, that was the year before I got there, but um, if those were memorable uh, milestones that I, I really enjoyed. Um, all of those guys are, are, are dear friends. Um, uh, you see them uh, in the alumni box or I'm honorary alumni of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So when I get to uh, go to their golf tournament and see them, uh, it, it's a very special group. You know, you run into Terry Martin almost every night because he's still scouting uh, for uh, the, in the National Hockey League. But um, Nikki Boroshevsky's goal, because, um, well, it it signaled that the Ballard era was over, that they were going to try mm-hmm. to win. Now, you can try as hard as you want, and sometimes you're not you're not going to win the Stanley Cup, but at least they were going to do that. They were going to give it a try. And that turned the corner. Um, Dougie Gilmore's wraparound goal, um, some of Wendell's fights, uh, something that uh, I'll never forget. Um, the, the, the heroics of the, the Leafs in Ottawa, uh, the bless you boys game where they were throwing yeah. bodies and everything in front of shots, trying to block shots and, and did, um, Matt Sundin's, uh, heroics, uh, on a number of occasions. Um, and then this kid, Matthews, he's not bad either. Mm-hmm. You know, no, okay. this past year and, and what was really nice, Ricky and, and I don't know how you feel about it. And then most most times, anybody that's records are being approached, they're all very gregarious about it and everything else. And then in the background, you're like, damn it. You know, I wish that was still standing there. But the thing that it did this year is it got your name out there. People started remembering again about what kind of a player you were and what kind of teams those were and some of the other guys who were involved in those. And that that getting the history to kind of go around mm-hmm. in a full circle and come back again was uh, I thought was terrific because it seemed every damn night there was another record or uh, reference to a t- player here and that from past years, Conakers and, and, uh, and everybody mm-hmm. from the whole franchise that this kid was eclipsing. And, um, uh, uh, he's a he's a wonderful individual. Uh, the the <laughs> he kind of exploded on the scene a little bit in Ottawa his very first game, and that was one of the highlights. And one of the highlights in my career was not doing the game; it was after the game. Uh, we stayed over after the game, and uh, in the hotel bar, I met his parents. Oh and wow! Wonderful people. And technology that we had, I phoned the, the radio station, had them send me my calls uh, on an email. And then over a cocktail or two, I played them for them. And they were in tears. And it brought me to tears. And <laughs> oh, I thought, you know what? So we've, we've had a very special bond with the, uh, uh, with the Matthews family uh, ever since. So those, those, but the other thing is the, the best call is yet to happen. Well, you're right. I would think that when someone hoists that big cup over their head, that'll be your favorite call of all time. Yep. And some people ask me, I said, have you got it prepared? I said, not a chance. 
<laughs> no, I, 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 so. I will not. I will not script it. It's going to be. It'll have to come from the heart, and it'll have to be spontaneous. But we'll see. Well, that's the only way we wanted from you, Joe. But before we let you go, just two more things. Be and we got so much we could go through with you. For the fans out there, the Holy Mackinac. How did that all start? We know the story. And number two, you must have, finish us off with an Uncle Hal story. An you Uncle one or two. Uncle who? Hal. You know your good old friend, Harold. Oh, Harold. Oh, Uncle Hal. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'll, do the Uncle, I'll do the Uncle Hal first. We, we used to stay at this old hotel in St. Louis. Remember, Ricky? I yep. forget the name of it. It was out near the, the old rink. And Breckenridge. That's Breckenridge. It. Yes. Yep. That's well, anyway, we're, uh, there was a, an ice cream spot just down the street, and Harold was out going to it. Now, Yolanda was out shopping somewhere, right? So she had probably taken every dime that he had on him at the time to go shopping with. Anyway, I'm out there, and, like, he wouldn't let me on the on the charter. He wouldn't let me on the bus or everything else going on. Anyway, we're, I get an ice cream. I walk out. There's Harold walking in. And he orders an ice cream. Well, he doesn't have any money to pay. <laughs> so he asks me to borrow <laughs> a couple of bucks to buy him an ice cream, which he wasn't supposed to have in the first place because of his diabetes and everything else. So anyway, he still owes me for the ice cream. I never got that back. Holy Mackinac was my dad. Um, uh, he, I would sit on his lap and watch Johnny Bauer make great saves. And instead of maybe a deleted expletive with a 10-year-old on his lap, it was, holy mackinac, did you see that? And I never got to ask him where he got it from because, uh, as I say, he passed away. And I never used it in junior hockey or the American Hockey League or uh, Bill Waters was doing color with me in Chicago and Felix Potvin made a great save. And for some inexplicable reason, I blurted it out. And I may not have used it again, except when I looked over, Wilbur had fallen off his chair. He was laughing so hard. So I thought, well, if I got that response from him, I might use it again. So we have. Squid, a final thought for uh, Bonesy? Uh, no, I've known Joe for so long, and he does a fantastic job calling the games. I think you and Rafi make a perfect pair as well. And I love listening to you guys. There's a lot of times I'm in the car coming back from a – alumni game somewhere and I put the game on and, and just love listening to you guys. You make the game fun. 100%. Well, we, we, we do. And we've gone through five weddings or five marriages. So uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we are like the, uh, the odd couple together for sure. <laughs> well, that's for sure. And then, and, and it's, and it's purely right from the heart and that that's what makes it so enjoyable. But Joe, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Um, hopefully we all endure a very big hockey season coming up and we get the expected result we're looking for one of these days. It's coming. I'll just hope we're around and see it. That's it. That's yeah. Just hope it's on my watch. We'll see. Me too. Yeah. And Ricky too. Joey, thanks so much for joining us. Several times. Thanks, Joe. You bet, guys. Take care. Okay.